service there dismiss. We uh, welcome those of you tuning in online this morning. Uh, again, uh, we appreciate your being with us. Let me just take a, a couple of minutes uh, and, and speak to the church family. Um, guys, thank you. Uh, thank you for allowing my family the time away uh, for your prayers uh, as we were gone. Uh, it was a good time away, a uh, good, good time to visit family. We don't get to see a lot of the family uh, extended periods of time like we got to uh, over the vacation that we had. And uh, it means a lot. It really does. It, it, uh, you love your family. You love to get together with your family. Uh, and we don't always get those opportunities like we did this past couple of weeks. And so I, I do appreciate that very, very much. And uh, trust that... Uh, we got some rest. I know I got some extra pounds I brought home. Um, I found this out while we were away. A lot of you said that we had this in common. Now, I know this is why God's knit our heart together. Uh, well, you guys are like us. We plan vacations. I know the Heralds do this. We, we usually plan it not around sites. We plan it around restaurants. And uh, hey, that's a good thing. You know, so we, we, uh, we budget well ahead of time because we know we're going to eat on vacation. And so we plan out our meals just like we do at home. And so we had a good time in, in that uh, as we were away. But it's good to be back. When, when you're gone for an extended period of time, you do miss home. And you guys are part of that that we miss. Uh, we love our church family. And you don't really appreciate that until you don't have it for a while and so we we've missed our opportunities being with you we miss our fellowship uh, with you so it, it is truly good to be home trust you had a good thanksgiving uh, i appreciate uh, a lot of a lot of things to thanks this morning i know we just finished up thanksgiving but my heart is still uh, overflowing with thanks let me start by this thank you ladies this is beautiful amen awesome awesome job one of the first things uh, when we got back, of course, you know, you come in and it's like, uh, man, I got to come into the office and get caught up. And, and uh, the first thing I did, I walked all the way down in the hallway and I opened the door and saw it. And it was beautiful. And my daughter, Karis, even, she's like, wow, they, they did a great job on the, uh, and you always do. I mean, you always do. But it was just, that was nice coming home and seeing this. Uh, and, and Brother Dean, thank you awesome messages brother i got to uh, finally get caught up on the last one the last day we went to and visit our friends at uh, oakview baptist in high point and so we're in that service only caught the uh, the front end of that message but i did catch up and, and get the rest of that guys what a blessing and and dean understands this as a pastor a, a lot of pastors are afraid to leave their pulpit all right, they're afraid there's going to be insurrection when they get home. I mean, you know what I'm saying? They're going to be voted out by the time they get back. I mean, there's a lot of truth in that statement with a lot of churches. That's not something I fear here. We are blessed with pastors. Uh, Pastor Dean uh, took the reins and just did a wonderful job, and I appreciate, brother, your heart of opening the Word of God and sharing that, uh, a pastor's heart, and kept you guys fed. I know you're spiritually fed. I know the ladies have kicked off a good study. Dean's kicked off a good study. We're in a new transition period uh, with our Sunday school class. If you haven't checked out the Sunday school classes, it's a good time to get back in. The first semester uh, had a great job with uh, uh, Pridgen and Larry doing their class. Guys, there's a lot of good stuff. Take advantage of that. All right, church isn't just something you do on Sunday. This is our place to be fed spiritually. We're going to learn today in our study as we pick back up in Philippians the nourishment that you and I get is hugely important. I was talking to Carlton yesterday on the phone and continue to pray for Lindsay. 
uh, and the baby uh, as uh, they're in the hospital for 10 days and, and trust everything will be well there. Uh, but I was talking to Carlton yesterday and, and, and he was sharing something he had gotten from his morning devotion, how God used that to feed his spirit and feed his soul. And I said, yeah, man. I said, think about it. When we eat, I don't have just one breakfast and I'm done. <laughs> well, for the day maybe, but I have breakfast every morning. Some of you say, well, I don't know, Pastor, I saw your vacation pictures. You seem to have breakfast every other hour. Okay, maybe so. But you know what? I try to feed on the Word of God the same way. It's a constant intake, right? But we need that. And I was sharing with Carl, you, you don't just have one meal and you're done. Man, you chew on it. You feed on it. We need physical nourishment to have strength. Some of us are only having one meal a week. And then you wonder why you're struggling in life. Guys, God has given us the Word of God. He's given us a church family for fellowship, for the building up and equipping of the saints. And I can promise you there's some great meals served at Community Baptist Church every week. Not just from the pulpit. I'm talking Sunday school hour. I'm talking the children's ministry, the ladies' ministry, the men's ministry. There's things that go on here that you can, you can definitely get fat spiritually, but we don't want to get fat. We're going to exercise, right? And that's what we're going to hope to do uh, today as we feed on the Word of God. We're going to exercise that Word out as we leave here today. Be doers of that Word, not just hearers. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Philippians. Uh, diving into Philippians. And uh, again, uh, uh, just I know there's a lot uh, that, that's running through my heart and head to be caught up on, being gone for two weeks. Um, and again, just continue to pray for one another. One of the things we're talking about here in the Word today about the importance of the one another. Uh, continue to pray for Linda Foss, her family, uh, the passing of her nephew. I know that was sudden, and our prayers continue to be with the family there, Miss Linda. Um, but guys, just, uh, just continue to uphold one another in prayer. Paul's encouraged by the believers at Philippi, and I think I found a new appreciation for what Paul is expressing in the book of Philippians. Uh, with our time away, Paul's away from this congregation when he's writing this. But what's his attitude? His attitude is one of joy. Man, he loves that church at Philippi. Now, this pastor loves the church at LaGrange. Notice if you would, this morning, our title is Unity in Community. And um, you'll understand this important title as we go through the Word of God. Follow along, if you would, in the reading of the Scriptures this morning. We'll find ourselves in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible, you can look up on the screen. Uh, but if you would, let's turn our hearts to the Lord as we look to His Word this morning. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Um, let me back it up. I'm, I, I apologize. We had some issues this morning, and I know I missed verse 1 and 2. So let's, let's look here, and I apologize that wasn't up on the screen. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, 
If any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray this morning that you'll remove distractions. Lord, let our heart and our minds be in tune with you. Draw us near. Uh, Lord, let your word speak. As we open your truth, let it uh, find place in our heart. Let our, our hearts be fertile soil. And Lord, if, if our hearts be hard this morning, then you till it up. Remove any stones and thorns and cares of life that want to choke it out. Guard that word from the enemy. Lord, let us hear what the Spirit has to say. This is an important section of this letter. This is the thrust of Paul's communication to the church at Philippi. No doubt, here in 2020, it is your message to your church today. Help us understand the importance of this truth. And we'll praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning as we look at verses 1 through 4, and again apologize that the verses 1 through 4 wasn't read there initially. Um, but if you look back on this context, uh, you'll realize that again Paul in prison writing and he is writing this letter to the church at Philippi. One of the big things he's conveying is he loves his church. Uh, he is encouraged by them. They are great encouragers. Uh, you know, if you study through the rest of the, of the letters, you'll see that they have, uh, they have oftentimes encouraged him through gift offerings. They uh, have sent Epaphroditus as, as a, a person to come alongside him and help him in the ministry. And trust me, as pastors, we need people alongside us to help us in ministry. And um, he is encouraged by what they're doing. And so he's writing, and as we've said, this is probably one of the most joyful, happy letters you'll find in the New Testament. There's not a lot of correction. There's not a lot of, hey, you got some problems going on, let me correct you kind of stuff going on with Paul, which is common with a lot of his letters. Uh, but instead, most of what we find here is, well done. Keep up the good work. Let me encourage you in the race. And um, again, guys... I can say this, and I brag on y'all often. Um, as a pastor, I interact a lot with other pastors. And there's a lot um, that when we, uh, we share our burdens one with another, there's a lot of uh, issues that plague the churches. And look, we're not immune. We're people, all right? Where there's people, there's problems. But I can say as a whole, in the 11 years that I've been here at this church, we have been very blessed with the spirit of unity. And that is something that the Scripture tells us time and time again we must fight for. And that sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? But we must strive daily. It's a constant to maintain the unity. But you understand this. If you're married, if you have children, if you're in a family, sometimes family has issues. But what is the glue that holds a family together in hard times. It's love. 
And so Paul is going to address that glue, if you will, that keeps us in play here. And, and so Paul uh, is writing here in this second part. Uh, he, is, he has sort of laid some foundation. You remember last time we were together, and you may not because it's been a few weeks ago, we said this was one continuous thought. One long sentence when you began in chapter 1, verse 27, he begins this section. And again, if we were, you know, uh, the, the, you know chapter 2, verse 1, the, the, those verse things, that's not Holy Spirit inspired, all right? Uh, we're thankful that those are in place. It helps us find our place. But this really should have been, chapter 2, verse 1 should have probably started at verse 27, okay, to maintain the context of thought. So go back to verse 27. I want you to look at this. He says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. Hey, if there's, there's only one thing you get out of this, let, let me encourage you. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. What's Paul saying? Whether I'm dead and gone or whether I get back to you. There's one thing I want to encourage you, church. Keep working together with a common goal and a common purpose. The gospel. This is my heart. When I'm on vacation, hey, you know, there's a lot of traffic, a lot of crazy drivers out there. I'm one of them. Some of you rode with me on the marriage retreat. I, hey, I didn't need amen right there. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes you wonder, hey, was that my last goodbye? You know? Whether I return or whether I, you know, I make it back safe, I don't know. You know? Uh, to live is Christ, to die is gain. But you know what? My desire was and is and will always be for Community Baptist Church. Keep your goal, guys, the same. The gospel. That unifies us. That's what, unites, that's what helps us lay aside any differences you and I might have. When we put our eyes on the goal, we've got to keep our eyes on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. We share the good news of Christ with those around us. And every waking day, you and I have opportunity. And sometimes in the strangest of places... I was joking with the deacons this morning. I will not go into detail. But I had doctor visit this week, and I just decided, you know, that uh, after 15 years, I probably need to get a little check under the hood. And they did. We'll leave it there. But, I, I, I you know, I call it nervous energy, I don't know. But, man, you better believe they all got a gospel earful in that place. <laughs> Uh, when I was leaving, we, we have those, you know, guys, you've seen those optical illusions, right? You know, we've got those gospel tracks. They're great icebreakers. I mean, you don't have to be a, a, a scholar to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's right there on paper. You don't even have to talk. I recommend you do. It usually helps in conversation. But I remember as I was leaving, I told my wife... Um, We'll just say, I showed my tail in the back. I said, might as well show my tail in the front. So anyway, I went out and I said, I had these two little optical illusions and, and all these uh, front desk ladies were up there, about five or six of them. I said, hey, I just want to thank you guys. I said, because 
you know, I was nervous. I mean, just to be honest, I was, I was nervous. I did not want to go. My wife made me go, and, <laughs> but I made her go. So we both went. So it's all good. All right, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. But anyway, so we both went. But I remember I, I stood up front and I said, hey, I, I just want to thank y'all for making this, you know, my guess as good as it could be, right? But they were, they were very welcoming, and, and, and I appreciate it. I said, so I want to leave you with, with this. And I pulled out those little optical illusions. I said, hey, which one of these is... Which one of these is bigger? And so when you look at them, you know, the optical illusion, one looks bigger than the other. And then you switch them, and it's like, whoa! And so the whole place was mesmerized. <clears throat> and, of course, I love in sharing those to say this. You guys, you know, miss this. They're actually the same. And then, of course, oh, mind blow. You know, drop the mic or drop the cards. But anyway, and so, you know, in that moment, I usually will follow that up with saying, you missed this, getting this right. Don't miss what's on the back. And, of course, what's on the back is the gospel. And so I leave that with them. And, guys, that doesn't take a whole lot to do to share the gospel. Church, I want to encourage us. Can we begin to look for opportunities to share the gospel? And, again, I realize for some of you, you're an introvert. You do not want to talk to people. You definitely don't want to put yourself out there. Okay, I I would say I get it, but I don't because I'm quite the opposite. But my wife tells me that that's how most of you are that are introverts like her, you know. But you know what? Whether you're introvert or extrovert, you're an instrument in God's hands. Our goal and purpose is the same. No matter who we are and what our makeup and personality is. Share the gospel. And so... I would encourage you, if it's a gospel track, take a gospel track. It doesn't take a whole lot to do that. Paul is writing to the people at Philippi, and he's, he's saying, look, if you've got any consolation, any comfort in Christ, when we know who Christ is, when we know what He's done for us, how can we not do this? So let's look at the outline. I know you've been waiting, your pen's getting dry. Here's the outline if you're taking notes, and hopefully this thing will work. Oh, one at a time. Our consolation, we're going to look at that in verse 1. Then we're going to look at our completeness in verse 2, which Paul's going to talk about our completeness. And then we're going to look at our conduct. And again, we started this thought over in 127. And so I believe that's an all-encompassing thought in this section. If you only get one thing, get this. How are you to walk? What's your purpose? Right? To live is fill in the blank. Remember, we've been talking about this. What is your fill in the blank? And it should be, Everything we do, it should be for the glory of God. And what is the, how is God glorified in our life? When we're faithful in obedience to do what He's called us to do. And what has He called us to do? He's called us to share the gospel. He's called us to make disciples. We begin the Vision 2020 of this year talking about it doesn't matter what the ministry is, the goal is still the same. That train runs on the same tracks. Sharing the gospel, making converts, and making disciples. The gospel is the engine that we, that we run forth with. So, that's the outline. Well, let's take a look at our consolation. Verse 1, and again he starts off, he says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ... And so, um, the idea here of consolation is, is our encouragement. If there, if there be any encouragement, it means to exhort... Therefore, if, if there be any exhortation in Christ... If, if there be any comfort of love, if there be any 
camaraderie, right? Fellowship of the Spirit. If there be any compassion, any affection and mercy, notice what he says here. If there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy. Fulfill my joy. What does Paul want from the Philippian believers? What does he want from you and me this morning? What does the Spirit of God want from us, His church, the body of Christ, still today in 2020? It's the same thing. If you have been comforted by the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing that your sins are forgiven that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You've moved from darkness to light. You have been transported from death, spiritual death, separation from God for all eternity except for in the presence of His wrath. You've been moved from that into His glorious light, into life. There's great comfort in knowing that. When you and I reflect on the love of Christ, God so loved the world that He gave. The love of the Father, right? Christ's coming. You see the the Trinity here, in, in essence, spelled out in this section of Scripture. You see Christ mentioned. You see love, which again, love comes forth from the Father, for God so loved the world that He gave. And then you see the the fellowship of the Spirit here in this section of Scripture. I think it's a great passage to highlight, again, the the trinity of, of, of the Scripture. By the way, let me say this. You want to know what unifies community? You don't know what the, the unity and community is? Obviously, the gospel of Jesus Christ, but doctrine matters. Doctrine, we live in a day where people want to tear down doctrine. Guys, throughout Scripture, we are, in, we are encouraged to uh, commit to faithful men who in return will commit to faithful men. There is a constant theme throughout the New Testament uh, of defending the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Always being ready to give a defense, right? Casting down arguments. I mean, that we... we Understand that one of the things that unites us is the doctrine of the apostolic teachings. Don't let anyone tell you that what we do in studying the Scriptures is not important. We don't unify around emotion. We don't unify around music. We don't unify... Those aren't the things that that unite us. We've got some great programs. We've got great music. We've got great women's ministry, men's ministry. That's not what unites us. And so if we try to find our identity united in those things, those things ebb and flow, those things come and go. But what stays is the truth of God's Word forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will remain. And so when we, when we unite, we unite around the teaching of truth. That's a glue that holds us together, the main and the plain. And look, that doesn't mean we don't disagree sometimes. It doesn't mean that there's not good uh, discussion and debate that helps iron sharpening iron, Right? But guys, there's some main and plain that unites us in the, in the glue of that is the gospel. And that's important. So, Paul says, look, therefore, if you want any comfort, you want any encouragement, you want to you be exhorted, comfort and com- com- camaraderie, uh, say that fast five times, fellowship of the Spirit, compassion, This is how we're to be living. 
Let me ask you this morning. Practical. Is there a spirit-filled overflow of our life that speaks to these things? Oh, I can't. We live in a crazy day, all right? The, the, the church, um, universally speaking, takes to online debate and chatter, right? And, uh, and the world looks at that and it makes them turn, be turned off sometimes even more. Right? Because what should be in-house discussions now is dirty laundry aired out in front of everybody. I mean, let's put it into our practical home. Some of you and your spouses had a fight on the way over to church this morning. So we're going to bring you up front and let you air it out in front of everybody. Come on, let's go. Whoever's guilty of that this morning, come on up. No, 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 please don't. <laughs> please, please don't. Yeah, that would be entertaining. And we live in an entertainment day, don't we? No, look, when there are relationships, we have conflicts. That's natural. That's normal, right? Paul's writing to a local church. And the church at Philippi, again, he's encouraging them in their unity. Church, I realize that as a local body, there will be times, and there have been times in years gone by, where there are conflicts and there's differences of opinions and preferences and things of that nature. There will always be. Again, as long as you have people, you have problems. Just like your marriage has not always been perfect. Right? Just like your family doesn't always have it together. Hey, guess what? Pastors doesn't either. Right? In fact, I would venture to guess sometimes pastor's home is very much under assault. Okay? You've seen my daughter's posting of her room not being clean and what mama does. Some, some of you saw that. Anyway. I love mama's response, too. If you did it, we wouldn't be having this problem, would we? Guys, when you have family, you have conflict, right? Some of you just came off of Thanksgiving. You know what I'm talking about. But you know what keeps you together? Love. Love will keep us together. Sorry, I was just kind of, I don't know why that came in there. But, it, but there's some truth in that, right? As believers, how will the world know you? Love for one another. How are we doing with that? I mean, as a, as a whole. I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you for a second. I don't know if the world is, is, is checking out the church from a distance, if they're really getting that right now. What I do think we're getting is what, especially in America, and I'm going to pick on us because this is our home, right? America's our home. I think there's a lot of division in our country right now, right? I mean, that's pretty evident. It's pretty obvious. Now, we don't kumbaya, right, and forsake truth. Remember what I said earlier? Doctrine matters. We earnestly contend for the faith, delivered to the saints once for all. But what I am saying is that just like in a family, when we have disagreements, we don't abandon them. I hope, you, I hope that's not how you roll in your house. You just leave. This is too hard. This is too difficult. I'm gone. I'm out of here. That person just don't listen. That person just don't... Whatever, fill in the blank, right? Aren't you glad... Husbands, 
Your wife didn't bail on you because she didn't like the way you put your clothes in the drawer? I mean, you know, or, or whatever. I mean, t- think about some of the... So my, I'm, here you go. I'm not going to lay out my dirty laundry. I'm going to lay out my clean laundry. <laughs> First fight, me and my wife. Married, dormitory, living in a married dorm at college, Bible college. One of our biggest fights over the laundry. Yeah. Now, it's, it, the only reason why I remember that was because it was our first fight. Most of the fights that you have, and you, you couldn't remember 10 years later, right? I mean, most of the stuff we get worked up about in our marriages, in our homes, in our families is stuff we really don't think about down the line a whole lot further. Unless, you know, some of them you do. When they get nuclear, poof, yeah, you remember those. Paul is encouraging the believer at Philippi. He says, look, guys, what your common bond is is more important than what your differences are. You're going to have differences. Don't forget your common goal. Don't forget your purpose. And and what Paul's not doing, and this is, again, I think where a lot of churches, we miss this, a lot of times, and I come out of a fundamental background, you know, where a lot of the external pressures is what keeps people together. I heard a great illustration. MacArthur uh, shared this example. A bag of marbles. If you have a big bag of marbles, what keeps those marbles in close proximity, what keeps them together is the external. It's the bag. You lose the bag, you lost your marbles. <laughs> Some of you already have, I know. Anyway, But they're everywhere, right? They scatter. And so what happens a lot of times with churches, the legalistic churches, they put this external pressure on you to conform in behaviorism. You've got to dress a certain way, and you've got to use a certain translation, you've got to talk a certain way, you've got to look a certain way, you've got to preach a certain way, yes, and, and, and it'll get all this external pressure on you, right? That's not what Paul's talking about. A better description to what unifies, think of a magnet and metal shavings. You got a bunch of metal shavings and you take that magnet, they're drawn to it, right? It's the internal of the magnet that pulls those shavings close. Guys, there is an internal, his name is the Holy Spirit, and he indwells in believers. And that internal dwelling of the Holy Spirit should be that magnet that is drawing people, not Jeremy, not your teaching ability, not your skills, not whatever. It's the Holy Spirit. If you see any good in me, it's Christ within me. And that should keep us together. Love keeps us together. There's comfort in that. There's comfort in knowing that when my wife and I have a dispute over laundry, that she's not going to walk out on me, or vice versa. There's some comfort in knowing that our love for Christ transcends, therefore it unites our love to one another. And it strengthens our bond. So that the principles of the doctrines, the teachings of Scripture that say, hey, my wife and I had a fight over laundry. She don't want to talk to me. I don't want to talk to her. But by the end of the sun going down, we got to lay some rest to this wrath. Where did I get that from? I got it from the truth of God's Word. And that internal Holy Spirit and that internal truth of God's Word seed together and brings forth man. Honey, let's talk about it. I'm sorry, I know it was your first laundry and you shouldn't have put the whites in with the colors and used the bleach. 
That's not what she did, by the way. <laughs> but <laughs> that would have been me doing the laundry the first time. So, and that's a true story. It did happen. Um, but we're able to work through these differences. Church, we got to get this. We got to get the world is desperately in need of seeing unity in community. The local church has to be that shining light. And they will know you by your love for one another. And so community, we have got to start shining bright. It's time for us to gravitate because of the Holy Spirit, because of the truth of God's Word. And then an outflow is going to be this compassion, this affection, this mercy. And, and how do I know? How do I know how to live this out? Because Christ has been our example. We're not going to get into it today, but try not to miss next week. And if you're going to be out of town, tune in, watch it online. But what I was mentioned when I met with Randall and, and Danielle as we're laying out the, the music plan for the next month's uh, last month. And so how awesome, like God has us at a great passage of Scripture next week to highlight the Incarnation. Christ emptying Himself, taking on the form of a man. And, and yet God has us timely right there. That's one of the reasons why, again, I love studying a book of the Bible. You let God do the work, right? And so this is where, Lord willing, we land next week. And so when we think about Christ coming into the world, you know why I know I can overlook your faults? You know why I can love you in spite of your differences of mine? Flip that on its head too, by the way, guys. You know how you can love pastor in his direction when there's not sin involved, when we're talking preferences? Because as we'll learn in depth next week, Christ showed the greatest love, compassion, and mercy when He took on the form of a man. You, you want to talk about being treated badly? You want to talk about suffering? Look at Christ. Look at the example that He has laid before us. And so Paul is writing, he says, look, if you, you want to have some you know, comfort, understand this. If there's any consolation in Christ. You know how we're going to do this? You know how it's, it's achieved in Christ? That's how we're going to do this. It's achieved in Christ. Guys, it's finished. It's done. Christ within me. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is evidence enough to know that when we are born again, as born-again believers, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption, hallelujah, He who began a good work in me will complete it until the day of redemption. I am thankful that my wife and I matured beyond the laundry argument. Now we've graduated to pick up your dirty clothes, right? <laughs> Guilty. Yeah, thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. He identifies. Yeah, we're all pointing at each other. Okay, now let's turn our fingers back on us. What do I do wrong? <laughs> we all got, right? We were people. But maturity says that even though my kids disappointed me in this situation, they, they, they made me angry in this moment, or they frustrated me, or they did something I did not like, and I can't stand that they do that, we've matured. My wife and I, and I won't... Uh, 
give, give too much of the details of this one. But I will say again, it, it, early on in our, in our dating, when we were dating, there were things that, that she did that drove me crazy. And guess what? There were things I did that drove her mad. Now, we weren't communicating those things to each other. I'm going to share the one because it was, because again, we were kids. We were a little thing. So she's looking like, oh, I can't believe that. Um, there'll be another one on I'm just going to drive home. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There won't be. Um, but I, I, I remember, here's what we do. This is the church. Isn't this us? Isn't this just like people? Instead of me communicating to her the thing that was bothering me, I told my friends. Oh, that's always good, guys. Now, we were dating at the time, so there was no, you know, there was no ring. So, you know, no string, no ring, right, um, in that sense. But still bad, bad idea, bad idea, you know, telling the buddies. She used to have this bad habit of pinching me when I'd make her laugh. Isn't that silly that, that I would be mad at that? She was showing endearing love that she, you know, because you couldn't touch each other at the Bible college we were at, so that was the way we got away with physical touch. Woo, pinch, woo, you know. (laughs) Rule breaker! (laughs) We went to a strict school, man, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it was crazy. Um, But it used to drive me crazy. Like, oh, every time she would do it, it'd be like, oh. And then the thought of, I cannot live the rest of my life with this woman who pinches me every time I make her laugh, because I like to make people laugh. I'll be bruised up the rest of my life. They'll think she beats me. Now, my sin was a lot worse than that. All right? Just you can imagine, I came out of a very differing background. Okay? So Jeremy still has his rough edges. And I know I don't have to explain that to you guys. You live with me too. But believe me, God, by His amazing grace, I know I'm not who I'm supposed to be, guys. But I am so thankful I'm not who I used to be. And isn't that all of our testimony? He's still working on me. Thank you for your prayers. Continue to pray. I'm still growing, and I trust we are all still growing. But I remember some of those things that I used to do in our dating. And I'll just say, early on, um, I I had not began to think biblically on relationships. And so my worldly ideas of relationships was still at play. We'll leave it there, general, right? Well, finally, one day I walked her back to her dorm, and she confronted me on it. She just said, you know, I see this in you. And she asked me this one question. Do you think that's something Christ would do? Oof. Oof. That hurt. But it was true. And I remember in that moment hearing the Spirit of God in that. That was true. And I went away from there and I remember after I go back to my dorm and I remember getting on my knees and saying, Lord, you know, I have always done relationships this way. And I realized in this moment I've been doing it wrong. Forgive me. Teach me. And that James passage that he gave me early on in life is the one I still hang on to to this day, and I still pray to this day. Lord, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. Lord, I'm asking you, give me wisdom. Teach me. I don't know how to do this relationship. I've never, I've never understood relationships other than what I've done. And so God began to change my heart, and he began to teach me to think biblically. And, and that's how you crucify the flesh. That's how you die to self 
Because self is our problem, church. Self wants this. Self wants that. James says, why is there warring amongst you? Why do you have conflict? Why do you have wars? Why do you have Republicans and Democrats? Why do we have problems in the church? Because this person wants one thing, this person wants another thing, they do not agree, they do not see eye to eye, and they war. And so what Paul says here in Philippians, you want to know how to overcome? You want to know how to live victorious? You want to know how to have unity and community? It's achieved only in Christ. Let's start there. That's the first place we've got to recognize. That's where it begins. And then notice, he says in point two, if, if we're, if we're going to achieve this in Christ, here's, here's what the result's going to be, guys. Here's what's going to be the result if you and I, in our relationships with one another, begin to actually appropriate our identity in Christ. If we actually begin to think like Christ, we begin to live like Christ, we begin to walk worthy of the gospel. Here's what will happen. Paul claimed it would make my joy complete. Now, Paul's already expressed great joy. Notice in, in chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in prayer of my making requests for you with joy for your fellowship in the gospel. Your fellowship in the gospel. You see, again, here's the glue. The gospel's the glue. You know why he's excited for them? Because of their fellowship in the gospel. Because of their work with the gospel. Christ, when he prayed uh, in John, he said that, that, uh, that, that his joy would be complete. And, and again, how is that joy complete? By abiding in Christ and Christ's word abiding in us. You, you want to know how you and I are complete? It, it's the same as in the illustration I gave you a while ago. My wife and I have matured in our relationship. Our joy can be made more full, more complete as we mature in Christ. When we stop doing things the way we want to do it and we begin to do things the way God has asked us to do it. Not because of external pressure, but because of internal presence and yielding to His leading and His truth. Paul claimed it would make his joy complete. Why? Because he understands what, what the Scriptures say. John wrote the same thing. Hey, I delight to hear that my children walk in truth. I shared this early on in a previous message. You know what makes this pastor's heart full? When I understand that you guys as parishioners are following and abiding in the Word of Christ. And you're living out that. You're loving one another. You have camaraderie and fellowship amongst each other. You know, again, I'm not saying that we don't have friends outside of this, this group of believers. But sometimes it baffles me when I see, uh, you know, pictures of, of people who have all these, these folks that I've never, ever met. I've been here 11 years and I've never, ever met like all 10 of those people. Well, they go to other churches, Pastor. Well, I hope and pray they do. But you think somewhere along the way we would have crossed paths, right? You, well, I don't know. And I'm not saying, I, what I am saying is this. Are our relationships gospel-purposed? 
I want 10 and 12 of your friends to be unbelievers so you can share the gospel. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I don't say get in the bubble and stay there. Uh -uh, we don't stay in the holy huddle. We get the place so we can go execute it. Execute it. Go find a dozen unsafe friends this week. All right? For the purpose of sharing the gospel. Paul said, that's going to make my joy full. I appreciate in Dean's message uh, last week, him sharing that encouragement from Hebrews to obey those, uh, those elders, those that have rule over you. So they won't do this grievously, but it'll be joy. It'll be joy for you. It's profitable for you. It thrills my heart to know you guys walk in truth. That's the joy that Paul says. He says, look, not only is it complete because of, uh, of obedience to Christ, he said, look, it makes me happy. And he was already pretty happy about the Philippians. So the result is our completeness. Well, how? How are we going to do this again? How, how do we do this? Well, by being like-minded. That's what he says here. Notice if you would the text. Don't take my word for it. He says... If there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. By being like-minded. He says also, not only should we be walking in step, right? How are we walking in step, church? Does that mean must use certain translation, must dress certain way, must only listen? No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, hey, Community Baptist Church, here's where the Lord is leading us. This is the opportunity set before us for the sake of the gospel. And we are collectively following the Lord in what He is asking us to do. And we know what He's asked us to do. We've got His Word. Now how that plays out, it plays out in differing ways. But again, it will never play out apart from His way, decently and in order. And He's established His house, His way. So we're like-minded in that. We, we understand this is the goal. This is the end game. This is our pursuit. We do this also, He says, with the same love. Notice, if you would, what he says. By being like-minded, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love. Believers are to love others in the body of Christ equally. Not because they're equally attractive, but by showing the same kind of sacrificial, loving service to all that was shown to them by Christ. John MacArthur. What kind of sacrificial love was shown to you? God demonstrated His love to us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Oh, well that just did... Uh -uh. What you did right there, we're done. I am so thankful Christ did not say that to me. And I would imagine you are very thankful He did not say that to you. 
One of the early truths I learned, and I am so thankful for this, because Satan will play on your mind, you cannot send away your day of grace. You're going to meet a lot of people in this world, and as the world grows darker and darker, we're going to meet a lot more people who have been in the pits of sin, the depths of sin. They're going to come in here stinking a high heaven from their sin, and we better show them the sacrificial love of Christ that Christ showed us. Amen? And yet, guys, we don't show that same love to one another in the family of God. Why is that so? How can you and me be forgiven of some of the greatest atrocities of sin that, that heaven forbid would ever be known public and one day all that which is in darkness will be wrought to light and I'm thankful that it's covered in the blood of Christ therefore it won't be held to my account but yet I can be forgiven of those great atrocities you can be forgiven of those depths of sin you can be taken from darkness to light but you let a brother or sister offend you in the slightest thing and you're done with them why is that? That's not the church of Christ. That's not what the world needs to see. The world needs to see something different. The world needs to be able to say, Why is it, why is it you put up with that at that church with those people? If that person said that, that to me, I'd, oh, that, well, you can forget that. They're, that's a toxic relationship. Well, you know what? I had a toxic relationship with Christ. In fact, I was his enemy. I spit in his face. I wanted nothing to do with him. I crucified him. My sin did anyway. And yet he showed me unconditional love. In spite of my sin, he still loved me. I'm not perfect. And I'm going to be mad and I'm going to be angry at times and I'm going to blow it. But I feel like love in definition is commitment. We're in a covenant relationship with God. And what God is join together, let no man separate. And as far as I'm concerned, guys, by the grace of God, and I, I will precede it with that, by the grace of God, there is nothing you will do to me and my family that will ever cause me to stop loving you. Well, we've been hurt a lot in 20 years of ministry, a lot, deeply. But there's one thing I can say and my family can say this as well. We've always taken it to the Lord and asked Him to guard our heart to never stop loving those that have wounded us. And guess what? I've wounded a lot of people. I've probably hurt you along the way in 11 years. You're still sitting here. Can I say thank you for not leaving me? Not turning your back on our relationship? Guys, that's what family does. You've heard the saying that family... Blood is thicker than water. You've heard that saying, right? Blood is thicker than water. Guys, how much more thicker is the blood of Christ? I mean, if we can't get this right, we might as well close up the doors. The world, the unbelieving world looks at us and they will know this about you because of your love one for another. I'm not saying anybody that's going out here, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I know how Satan works and he's already shooting fiery darts at you because he tried to hit me with one just now too. Let me clarify what I'm saying. Sometimes in different seasons of our life, we react with the dirty laundry. Maybe not in the most mature way. But with a little grace and a little growth, that relationship can be strengthened. 
And it should be because of our commitment. That's what I'm saying. And, and so sometimes, you know, relationships do come and relationships do go. And sometimes it's not, un, sometimes it's not unhealthy reasons. Sometimes it's just God's will. So I want to make that real clear. Sometimes, just like with John, Mark, and Paul, you know, Barnabas, you think about those three guys. Those guys are godly men, all three of them. All three of those men did great work for the Lord. And yet they had some disagreement, but they all went separate ways. And, and yet that was God's will, right? God's will was accomplished in all three of those ministries. Now we do see that in the end, there seems to be some restoration there from the conflict, and that's awesome. And I can say this, we know regardless of whether somebody's come or gone from us, if they're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, that one day will be reconciled in the very presence of God. Amen? So how are we going to do this? Well, we're going to do it by being like-minded. We're going to have the same love that Christ had. That's what we've got to do. If we're going to love each other, we've got to love each other with that unconditional love of Christ. Here's a rule of thumb that governed me in ministry early on. When I first went into ministry, I, you guys met my uh, pastor who, who came. I served under him for 10 years and, and, and loved Pastor Bob. Pastor Bob's a northerner. I'm a southerner. You know, we, there was some, some natural conflicts uh, from the start. Um, temperaments, personality. I mean, there's just a lot of things that were oil and water. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But, but man, I love this guy. I love this man. Uh, tough to take at times. And I'm sure if he asks you, you know, you would ask him, he'd say the same about me. But I love this man. I was taught early on, unless it's a known sin, unless it's a known sin, you fight for this relationship. You overlook each other's faults because love covers a multitude of sins. That's the same love Christ showed us. And so then we see also one accord. No, it's not a Honda. But again... We look here. What is this one accord? This actually is the word soul brothers. We're soul brothers. Prison, do you know we're soul brothers? We're soul brothers. Barnett, my soul brother from another mother. Anyway. Yeah, one accord. Um, uh, again, th this is what Paul's saying. He says, look, by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. commonality. Our common bond is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Our common goal is the gospel, and we cannot lose sight of that. This is what will keep our commitment to the mission and our commitment to community together by understanding this. And Paul, he's wanting the believers at Philippi to know that. So, that brings up our last point. Again, full circle. He started this in 127. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So let's look at our conduct. And we see this here in verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So we see no strife here in verse 3. Uh, we're not to do anything through selfish ambition. By the way, this word here used is the same word in the Greek that's used in Galatians 5.20 for the flesh. 
You want to see the fruits of the flesh? You go to Galatians and look at what is manifest by the flesh. Hey, he's saying, look, look, don't, don't have that. There should not be strife. There should not be contention. There should not be those uh, things happening. Putting aside selfishness, we are to be one. Aristotle used this word to denote a self-seeking pursuit of political office by unfair measures. Oh, let me read that one again. That's timely in 2020. Aristotle used this word, selfish ambition. It actually means to a self-seeking pursuit of political office by unfair means. Boy, that's frontline news today, ain't it? Lest we get too carried away, the word conceit means vainglory. The Greek describes this word as a man who makes great claims for himself by putting everyone else down. Empty glory. Guys, the world looks like this. This is the world today in which we live. That should not be the church. No strife. Proverbs 27.2 says, Let another man praise you, and not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. We should also see in our conduct uh, no superiority. Um, but by lowliness of mind, we should esteem others better than self. The idea here of lowliness of mind is humility. It's interesting. Paul uses a plural form here. And so his idea is a group perspective when he says that we are to... Um, notice, if you would, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others, plurality, better than himself, singularity. You see, guys... Community Baptist Church, if we're going to maintain community's unity, it's not going to be because of one man's direction, unless that one man's Jesus Christ. What happens oftentimes in churches is there are pockets of people who want to heap after themselves disciples. And that can breed division within the body. Again, one of the things we try to do here in community is with our differing ministries still maintain a collective following of the leadership of the Holy Spirit under the leadership of the local shepherd. And I'm thankful for that unity that is in place and how things are done decently and in order. Again, Christ is the head of that. That's who we seek to follow. And so we understand even though we have differing ministries and people being different have differing ideas, we strive collectively under in the same goal and direction. One mind, same love, right? Without strife, without superiority. Our ministry is better than your ministry. You know, anything you can do, I can do better. Anyway, sorry. No, you can't. <laughs> Yes, I can. <laughs> no, all right, sorry. All right. 
That, by the way, that was Annie. In case anybody, y'all did, Annie, get your gun, unless y'all think pastor was, you know, ego tripping. All right. So what about this conduct? No superiority, lowliness of mind. This is our conduct. Matthew um, 20, verses 26 to 27 says, It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Again, this is how our attitude should be. Romans 12, 3 says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Guys, it comes back to the Word of God. It comes back to us discerning the truth of what God would have us do. And God says that we're to esteem each other greater, greater than self. My desire is to grow and mature in my loving of you. My desire and my prayer is to grow in, in esteeming you and serving you better. And so pray for that, that as a pastor I will grow in my ministry leadership to serve you better. And I feel the one thing that God has given to me in my giftedness is one of the things that I'm doing now is to stand before you and rightly divide the word of truth, to open the word of God, to give you the word. He told Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. And so guys, that's my greatest calling. I want to feed the sheep. I want to feed you truth. I don't want to feed you my opinions. I don't want to feed you my preferences. I'm human. Things will creep in. But guys, my desire, my prayer is to feed you truth. And so we collectively must see each other in our strengths to make the team stronger. We work together to fill the voids. We don't strive in conflict and superiority. And so our conduct is such. No self-seeking, verse 4. How? How? By looking. Notice what it says. That we look out, not after our own interests, but after the interests of others. Are you looking out for the interests of those around you? Community, can we work on looking out for each other's interests instead of our own? Let's try to grow in that. Let's try to grow in that. And so, I know time's getting away. Hey, I've been gone for two weeks, man. Come on, give me a little extra grace here, right? All right, so John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love, have love for one another. Let's love one another. 2 Corinthians 4, 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. That's good truth. That's a great reminder, isn't it? To encourage us, to motivate us from within. So, coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Working together is success in the Christian Assembly. For notice what you find in Scripture. Check this out. I'm going to go fast. If you're right, you might just want to... This is what's going to help the unity and community. All right? As one flock, we're gathered together. John 10, 16. As one family, we dwell together. Psalm 133, 1. As one body, we're joined together. Ephesians 4, 16. As one temple, we are framed together. Ephesians 2, 21. 
As one household, we're built together, Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. As one kingdom, we're to strive together, Philippians 1, 27. As one hierarchy, we're raised up together, Ephesians 2, 6. Do you realize you and I have the riches in Christ Jesus? How awesome, man! We strive together, raised up together. So, let me go back. I know some of you are still writing. Like, oh, pastor, I almost had it. You see a common theme here? Unity in community. That's important. Our love for one another. So, conclusion. To walk worthy of the gospel, there must be unity because of the gospel. Our consolation our completeness, our conduct comes only by the grace of God. By Christ, through Christ, and in Christ. That's the only way you and I are going to protect the unity in community. It's the only way you and I are going to reach the loss and grow the ministries of community by fulfilling God's call on our life being faithful to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your truth that unites us. Lord, if there's ever been a time in society where the world needs to see what it looks like to love one another in a biblical definition, not a kumbaya, not not as the world defines. It's, It's a greasy grace is what the world describes it as. Lord, no, your your love is grounded in truth. And with truth comes commitment. With truth comes uh, that uh, comfort, that consolation. It also brings that camaraderie, Lord, that that spirit of of oneness. It it affects our, our conduct. And we know it completes, it definitely completes the joy that you desire that we have as believers. Father, protect Community Baptist Church. As we look ahead to the future and the ministries that that are coming our way, as we look at uh, a new year approaching, Lord, will you help us to be more committed to Christ and more committed to the congregation? Help us to love one another. Help us to love as Christ loved. And Lord, may we actively go from here today equipped with the gospel, looking for that lost man and woman who desperately, desperately needs the love of Christ. May it be poured out and shed abroad in our heart and that overflow will be spilt into the lives of those around us. Thank you for our church, your church, bought by your blood. But it's our family, Lord. We, we love one another as a family and we're grateful for our family. Complete the work you've begun for your namesake. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't forget, uh, no evening service, Wednesday, teens, Christmas party. And it should be a fun, fun evening. And uh, again, we appreciate, uh, if you haven't checked out the Sunday school class, ladies, come check out that ladies group. Uh, Dean's got a good one going in here on doctrine as well. So 
uh, check us out, guys. Make that a, a prayerful priority, maybe for the uh, start of the new year, if you, if you haven't uh, yet. Uh, again, an opportunity to spiritually be fed. Enjoy the afternoon. Thank you again for, for the extended time. God bless.